Corinthians, the third chapter. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, if you would. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And uh, if you would, 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Let's uh, turn there. This is, of course, back to school Sunday. Back to school Sunday. And uh, we've, uh, I don't know that we've ever done this before where we just centered in on talking about going back to school. But, uh, you know, I always thought about going back to school every year, both as a student and as a teacher. See, I've had it from both ends. Uh, I taught in the public school system for many years. And uh, so going back to school as a student, I understand it from a student's perspective. I understand it from a teacher's perspective. Uh, how many ever got nervous as the first day of school approached besides me? And how many, how many was excited about going back to school? Okay, praise God, good. How many wished the summer was a little bit longer? Any? <laughs> so it just, I, you know, everybody looks at it a little bit differently. Uh, was anybody concerned about getting initiated when you moved from junior high to high school? And, and I know that I had to go sit up on a sit up on the on the uh, soda machine uh, as a freshman. Uh, one of the couple of seniors got me, and they wanted me to sit up on a soda machine and cackle like a chicken. And uh, I talked them out of it. And I said, could I just go over and shake this girl's hand or something? And so they let me go over and shake, because I was very shy. So I went over and shook the girl's hand. They let me off the hook. But So, you know, there's a lot of times people are excited about going back to school. Sometimes people get nervous about it. I was one, I, I kind of got a little nervous uh, about it, you know. And I know in first grade I didn't want to go to school. I told mom I'm not going to school. And uh, so uh, that first day she made me go, and then I, I pretended to be sick. And, uh, and, and they sent me to the nurse. Mama came home and got me. And when I got home, I wanted to go outside and play. She wouldn't let me go outside and play. And she made me sit. Look, I'll never forget. I sat in that, my room, looked out the window. I said, what am I supposed to do all day, Mama? She said, you count the, that gravel driveway. You count the gravel in the driveway. And, so, and uh, so when we tore that house down, all those years later, when that section came down, I remembered all those years ago, sitting in that room, counting the gravel and... But the next day, I was looking forward to going back to school, you know. And then as we went along, you know, when I got up about in the fourth grade, went up here to Kellison School, and, uh, you know, it was about the third or fourth day of school, and, and the, uh, uh, missed the bus, praise God. And, uh, and, and so I went back home, and my, my Mama said, oh, well, we're going to take you up in the car. So she gets in the car, and, rah, rah, and it wouldn't start. And I said, praise God, the car is not starting and so we had this big John Deere tractor and uh, she put me on a big John Deere tractor and you know took me up here to right up Hawkins Road right up to Kellison School and and uh, oh my god I'm gonna be the laughing stock and of course this kid saw it they thought it was the neatest thing in the world and they wanted my mom to give them rides on the tractor and you know so I, I think about all those things as you go back to school as a as a uh, as a student, then as a teacher. Actually, actually, I got more nervous on the first day of school as a teacher than I did as a student, you know. Because, see, I taught in some rough districts. I, I, I taught in some rough districts. And, uh, uh, but, you know, thank God I had a job. And, uh, but, I, you know, I dealt with discipline problems myself. 
some teachers, they, you know, kid forget to bring a pencil and they'd send them to the office. I, I, you know, I never, I didn't do that. I, I dealt with the discipline problems myself. And actually, uh, one, one year I, I made it all the way to spring break. Day before spring break, I didn't send a kid to the office. And then I got in a bad mood one day and I remember sixth and seventh hour, I sent about six of them down and, and... <laughs> The principal came to me and said, that's all right, Mr. Shield. I said, we've had a running, a running bet in the office between me and the secretaries as to how long it would take for you to send somebody down. And, well, so, but when I'd send them, man, I started sending them in, in, in bulk, you know. But I do remember one time, I remember I was uh, uh, teaching. I just, it was the first couple of days of school. And uh, actually, I was a first-year teacher. And, and uh a couple of days of school in, and boy, it was a rough, rough, rough. I mean, my schedule started out rough and got rougher throughout the day. And I was a first-year teacher, and uh, actually the teacher I took her spot, she resigned because of the classes she was going to be having this coming year. And so she resigned, and I was the fortunate one to get her job. And <laughs> I remember we were in third hour there, and this is about, oh, the second or third day of school, rough, rough, rough class. And and I learned back then you don't ever turn your, uh, when you're teaching junior high, you don't ever turn your back on the, uh, on, on, the, on the kids. But anyway, I didn't know that yet, so I turned, you know, and I, I turned around and was writing on the board, you know, and I looked around, and just as I looked around, there was a kid in the second row, and he was throwing a, a paper wad at me. And I caught him, but he was past the point of no, no return. I turned, I look, he's throwing, and I guess my reflexes, he slings it at me. I caught it and threw it right back at him and bopped it right on top of the head. <laughs> Glory to God. Big old kid, you know. Man, he started crying on me. <laughs> Ran down to the principal's office and told on me. <laughs> so the principal came in later and he said, Mr. Sheil, I'm going to have to reprimand you. He said, don't. Don't be hitting the students with paper wads. <laughs> and then he said, that kid deserved it. He said, way to go, Mr. Shield. You know. And so, I, you know, I think about going back to school. And I remember, I know I'm telling some stories here. We'll get right into the Word of God. But uh, I remember the one year I was uh, teaching and you couldn't lay your head down in my class. You couldn't sleep in my class. You couldn't lay your head down in my class. And there's this kid came in. He was his eighth grade. He should have been in the eleventh grade. He'd failed three times. Big guy, man, big fella guy, big man. And he'd come in late every day. He'd come in about two minutes late. He'd always get to the door, stop when he come in, look over at me, tip his hat, and go sit down. So this happened several days. And so I'm up teaching the one time, and I, all of a sudden, you know, I look over, and he's got his head laid down on the desk. On the, not it wasn't a desk, it was a table off to the side, you see, a table, because I had him over by, in a table, a big, long table. And then I had 30 students here in a table over here, and he's sitting there, and he's got his head laid down. And I said, I called his name, and I said, would you uh, please sit up and pay attention? And so he's got his head down, and he goes, like that. So I asked him about three or four times if he'd sit up and... He kept doing that like he was asleep. So I set my chalk down, and I set my book down, and I walked over. And all those kids was wondering what I was going to do when I got over there. And I was wondering myself. I didn't know. I didn't know what. I was. So anyway, I walked over there, first year teacher. I probably wouldn't do this now. 
Uh, but I walked over there, and, and he's, you know, and I, and I said, Mr. So-and-so, because I always call those uh, uh, middle school, I call them Mr. Smith or Miss Jones. I always, because it freaked them out, so I, call, I would never call them by their first name. And I said, Mr. So-and-so, would you please sit up? And he goes, <laughs> like that again. So I don't know, just instinct, right side of his head, where he, I went, <laughs> just. And this kid, I'll never forget, he comes up like that. His hat flies off. His knees hit the, hit the <laughs> The table goes crashing down. He goes flying up against the back, holding his heart. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've killed this kid. You know, he's going to have a heart attack. And he's shaking there with his legs. As <laughs> and he says, Shield, he says, I hate you. <laughs> he says, it's going down right here and now. <laughs> he's a big guy. He said, I want to arm wrestle you for control of the classroom. <laughs> All right, let's get into the word. Oh, you want to, I know, you want to know if I arm wrestled him. Absolutely not. He'd have whipped me and I'd have had to give him control of the classroom. So I sent him out to the office and they put him in in-school suspension. And All right, let's get into the word of God. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. Well, you can have a, tell a story or two now and then. I, I do very little of that, so well, we can do it once in a while. 2 Corinthians 3 and 2, talking about back to school Sunday. Does anything like that go on anymore in the schools or is it just my... I run into some of these kids at the mall once in a while and they come up and say, Mr. Shield, we didn't like you back then. You made us learn, but we're so glad that you did and... They're thankful, and they said, we had a lot of fun because you never knew what was going to happen in my, <laughs> you never knew what was going to happen in my classroom. All right, 2 Corinthians 3, 2. I want to talk, first of all, just briefly to the teachers, any teachers that we have here that may be listening by the Internet. Notice 2 Corinthians 3, 2. The Bible says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Really, that applies to all of us Christians. You know, we're the only Bible a lot of people's ever going to read. Did you, did you get what I just said? I said, we're the only Bible a lot of people's ever going to read. What do you mean by There's a lot of people never going to go to the Bible and read, but they can look at you as a Christian. They can know you're a Christian and they can read your life. And they can see that you're not a gossip. They can see that you're not a backbiter. They can see that you don't get on the phone and call this one and that one and backbite people. They can see that you, don't, that you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal. They can look at you and see that you're not a moaner and a groaner, but you've always got a good word in your, on your lips, you see. They can see that. That's what this world is looking for. This world is not looking for people to preach the gospel to them. Listen to me. The people are looking for, for folks that will live the gospel before them. Did you get what I just said? I said, people aren't looking for people to preach the gospel to them. They're looking for people to live the gospel in front of them. Words are cheap. Actions speak louder than words. I'm not saying we shouldn't preach the gospel to people. Yes, we should. But I'm just saying all your preaching is worthless if people hear you preach the gospel and then you turn around and you gossip about somebody. Did you hear me? People are looking for you to be a living epistle to live the gospel before them. 
I had kids come to me frequently when I was teaching school because they told me when I took the job, they said, we know that you're not a, we know that you're a, a Christian. We know that you're starting a church over here in, in Fenton and, and uh, we understand all that. Mr. Shield, you can't preach to the kids or we're going to fire you. And I said, well, I understand that. But I told them this, if they come and they ask me, I'm going to tell them why I have hope in my heart. And we ought to obey God rather than man. And I said, even if you fire me, I said, then you'll just have to fire me. Now, I won't go into my class and preach to them, but if they ask me why I have joy about me, I'm going to tell them it's because of Jesus. And, and, and I had kids come to me, and it happened frequently. They said, Mr. Shield, there's just something different about you. You know, you come in here with a thankful heart. You're not crabbing and complaining, moaning and groaning. You don't talk bad about the administration and the principal and so on, you see. You know, that speaks louder than words. Did you hear me? Do you understand that? And so, you know, yes, preach the gospel, but, but it's more important to live the gospel in front of people. And so as a teacher, you go into these schools and, 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 and yeah, you go in there and start preaching Jesus. They're liable to fire you, but you, you can go in there and live Jesus and, and really do more than preaching him. Did you hear me? And then when they ask you, then be able to give an answer. And I told them, I said, now if the kids come and ask me why I've got joy in my heart, I'm going to tell them it's because of Jesus Christ. And the principal said, well, I have no, no problem with that if they come and ask you. And so we had a good relationship. Amen. And so a teacher, I would just tell you, you know, a teacher, a principal, whatever, you know, uh, you know they kicked God out of the public school system years ago, and, and he left. And there's a lot of darkness there. But I tell you what, thank God for the good Christian teachers and students and things. And we can be lights in the midst of that darkness. You understand that? So just be an epistle. Be a living epistle and let people read you. And you know what I mean by that? And they see that you're not down in the mouth, but you're upbeat and you've got the joy of the Lord. And they'll read that in you and they'll come to you. See, that's how my wife got saved. All those years ago, uh, she, she didn't have anything to live for. She was down and out, I'm telling you. She, she had a rough, rough childhood. And she went into school one day, and she, there were these students there, and she asked them, and she said, why are you, why are you, there were fellow classmates, why are you so happy? Why are you so excited? I don't understand why you're so happy. And they told her about Jesus Christ. It was just because they were there as a living epistle, and they were living the gospel one thing to preach it it's another thing to live it they were living it and she said why do you have such joy my wife had nothing to live for in that hour she said why do you have so much joy and they said because of jesus christ and they invited her to a bible study and she went and she got saved glory to god amen praise god so let us all be living epistles known and read by all men and then in Proverbs, the 29th chapter, the 15th verse. Let's go there. Proverbs 29, 15. Speaking to parents, much we could say to parents. But I tell you what, it, it's a challenge to raise a child in this society in which we live. But it can be done. God is still God. And notice, one thing I'd encourage parents in is... In Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. 
It's a lot of children being left to themselves. I remember teaching in the public school. and A lot of those little kids just left to themselves. Left to themselves. Just left to themselves. And uh, don't leave a child to themselves. It's always good to know where your child is. It's always good to know who your child's keeping company with. Amen? You know, the Bible says that Joseph and Mary, their custom was to take Jesus to the house of God. You know, not only is it important to be involved with your child at school, but it's also important to be involved with them in the house of God. And uh, see to it that they get a good education. See to it that they not only get a good education in natural things, but they get a good education in spiritual things. Amen? The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Amen? So be involved in your kids' lives. Uh, They need you. So be involved with them. Be involved with them. Don't leave them to themselves. And that's what I would say to parents. And then to students and young people, the young people, I'd go to Daniel, the third chapter. Let's turn over there. The presence of God is good. Oh, the presence of God is in here. Praise God. Daniel, the third chapter. Normally I preach this, but I just want to read it here today and about the he- those, those Hebrew youth Teenagers, young people, young adults, whatever. Remember Daniel and remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know. Let's just read here, speaking to young people. Listen here. Daniel 3.10. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. Remember Nebuchadnezzar had made a gold image. Everybody was supposed to bow down to it when the music played. Listen, young people, don't do something just because somebody else is doing it. Now, I'd say that to anybody. Don't do something just because somebody else is doing it. Would you jump off off the Empire State Building just because somebody else did? Verse 11, And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews, verse 12, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are already at the time, now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, uh, uh, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately in the midst of the fire, burning fiery furnace. And who, is, and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now you've got to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're young people. 
very young. Some say they were in their late teens, maybe early 20s. They were youth, young people. And notice in verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. See, the king wanted him to bow down and worship some, something other than Almighty God. And notice in verse 17, they say to him, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Boy, these are some really good young people, aren't they? They trust in their God, don't they? And then verse 18, But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They refused to bow down, didn't they? I want to encourage you young people. Refuse to bow down and worship any one or anything other than Almighty God. Worship no one but Jesus. Do you hear me? Refuse to bow to that pill that they're offering you, those drugs. Refuse to bow down to that joint of marijuana. Be, refuse to bow down to that can of beer or that bottle of wine or that alcohol. Refuse to bow down to that. Refuse to bow down and watch R-rated movies with all kinds of cussing in them. Refuse to bow down and, and watch movies where they take the name of the Lord in vain. Refuse to bow down and watch movies that have four-letter words in them. You know what I'm talking about. Refuse to bow down to those things. Refuse to bow down and watch things that are sexually immoral and have sexual innuendo in them. Refuse to bow down and watch those things. And something else that the Spirit of God wanted me to say, refuse to bow down and watch those vampire movies. That's, uh, that's all the rage right now. Don't watch those things. Stay away from those things. The vampire stuff. How many knows what I'm talking about? I know people might get mad at me. They might write me letters. But I'm telling you, that has demonic activity all over it. If you look at that, there's sexual stuff going on in those. I'm talking about that werewolf stuff. I'm talking about that vampire stuff. Dear friends, I'm telling you as a man of God by the Holy Ghost, don't watch that stuff. Stay away from that stuff. Don't bow down to that stuff. I'm talking about that vampire stuff. How many knows what I'm... Well, it's innocent. and No, it's not. It's, when you, I'm telling you, there's demons involved with that. That stuff is demonic, dear friends. Do you hear me? It's demonic. Plain and simple. Demonic. Don't watch, don't watch that stuff. You know, sucking the blood out of someone. That's, that's, demo, that's demonic, dear friends. Don't watch that. Spirit of God was strong on me. I'm, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. He was strong on me to say that this morning to you young people. Stay away from that vampire stuff. How many knows what I'm talking about? What's it called? Twilight? Moonlight, I don't know, but whatever it is, stay away from that. 
Don't bow. But all my friends are doing it. Yeah, don't bow down. All these other people were bowing down to the king when the music played. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They made a decision not to bow down to it. Don't bow down to these things. Can you say amen, anybody? Don't bow down to this stuff. And they said, we're not going to bow. Let it be known to you, O king, that if we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship, we're not going to serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. You know, sometimes if you refuse to go along with your friends that want to do things that, that aren't right, sometimes it'll make them angry. Sometimes they'll say, well, if you don't do thus and so, we won't be your friend anymore. Listen, if you have to sin to keep a friend, those kind of friends you can do without. Huh? Are you okay? I've had had a lot of people back in high school walk away from me because I wouldn't go to the drunken parties. I wouldn't do the things that were sinful. I just refused to do them. If I can refuse, you can too. There's nothing quite as, there's, you know, peer pressure is something. Well, everybody else is doing it, Pastor. Everybody else is watching those things. Everybody else is doing that, Pastor. Well, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it right. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. He loves you. He cares about you. It'll make some people mad when you refuse to bow down and go along with the crowd. And notice verse 19, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the the heat of the furnace be seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning furnace. And these men bound... Verse 21, bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their garments were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace. I tell you what, if you don't go along with the crowd that's going a sinful way, you're liable to wind up in a fiery furnace, so to speak. But notice what happens. If you refuse to bow to these things, notice what happens. Verse 22, therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. See, they wouldn't bow down and they wind up in the furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look. He answered and he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Well, that's worth not bowing down, isn't it? Somebody asked me one time, How do you stand under enemy fire? You refuse to bow down. You refuse to bow, and I tell you what, if you refuse to bow down, 
to the devil and his crowd. If you refuse to bow down, you, you wind up in the midst of the fire. But Jesus will show up and he'll be right there with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. All these other people might walk away from you and forsake you. But Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. And he'll be with you right in the middle of the fire. He won't always keep you from going through the fire. Many times he's right there with you in the middle of the fire. Bless God. There, there he was. Like unto the Son of God. You know what really blesses me about these, these young people here? They, they said, we're not going to bow. But you know what I always like to emphasize, and we read it just a moment ago. They made the statement that, you know, they were confident that God would deliver them. But you know what? They went on to say, even if He doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow down. Well, that, I tell you what, that'll keep you from getting burned by the enemy. Have the attitude, hey, we know that God, he'll, he'll deliver us. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to the enemy. We're still going to serve God. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. We need to have that kind of attitude about us. Amen? Amen. Just refuse to bow. Knowing God will show up. But even if he doesn't show up, we're still going to serve him anyway. In verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, the administrators, governors, kings, counselors gathered together. They saw these men on, watch this, they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Isn't that something? The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. I tell you what, you'll run into the fire of the enemy at many, many times in the public school system. I know I was there as a student and as a teacher. And the way I made it through, the way you're going to make it through, is by living for the Lord Jesus Christ and refusing to bow down to things that you shouldn't bow down to. I tell you what, you can go to school, you can have a good time, you can have fun, but you can have that fun by serving God and refusing to bow down to anything that is ungodly. And I tell you what, you might wind up in that fire, but Jesus will be right there with you. And then notice what happens as you go on. You won't be burned by the fire. And then verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel... Actually, we understand it was, was the Lord Jesus, you know. And delivered his servants who trusted in him. And, they, uh, and notice that, and they have frustrated the king's word. You know you can frustrate the devil by living for God. How many likes frustrating the devil? You can frustrate the devil by refusing to bow down to him. And yielded their bodies, and they should not that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Now watch this. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Boy, that got the king's attention, didn't it? See, you can, be, you can be a living epistle and that really got the king's attention. If they'd have bowed, they wouldn't have, got to, they wouldn't have affected this man. But they refused to bow and this man was affected. And they got this man confessing God, don't they? And then verse 30, Then the king 
promoted. How many likes promotion? Well, don't bow to the devil and eventually you'll get promoted. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. Well, that just excites me just reading that. And then then I want to close by reading about this other young man, Daniel. Go to Daniel 6. Just trying to encourage any young people that are listening. But you know, this will encourage the adults too, won't it? Daniel 6 verse 3. Let's talk about Daniel just a little bit in the lion's den. They fed him to the lions. I haven't read this in a while to you. Let's read this. Then this Daniel, Daniel 6 3, distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. You know, we as Christians, we have an excellent spirit in us, don't we? And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm, so the governor's satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was what? He was faithful. Just be faithful, young people. Just be faithful. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to your parents. Amen. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Did you know there are some people that, that, that if you're faithful and you have an excellent spirit and they can't find anything to accuse you, they'll make something up. Did you know that? And, and, and look at this here. Verse 6, So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for, the, for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. See, that once it was written and sealed, that was it. You couldn't change it. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So you could, for 30 days, because see, they knew that Daniel prayed daily to, to God. And so they got the king to pass a decree or, or a rule or a law that if you prayed to anybody except the king for 30 days, then you would have trouble. So look at what Daniel does here in verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and and, as was his custom since his early days. He was trained right, wasn't he? Since his early days. And, And even though he was violating the law of the land, doesn't the Bible say we ought to obey God rather than man? What if they pass a law and say it's against the law to worship Jesus? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to worship Him all the more. Well, what if they put you you in the fiery furnace? Well, then Jesus is going to show up and deliver me. Amen. So Daniel goes home and prays. Now look at verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard to you, O king. Uh, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. 
verse 14. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with him with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. But notice this. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. See, the king liked Daniel, but these, you know, there's sometimes the king might like you, but there's other people don't like you. But the only one that counts is, does God like you? So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. See, he refused to compromise. He continued to worship God in the midst of people that were trying to bring him down. And look, he winds up in the, in the lion's den. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he'll deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no, had no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose er, very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, serving the living God, has your God whom you serve, whom you what serve, how often? Continually been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. See, that's what they said to the kings back then. Notice verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. Real loud, say amen. amen. Praise God. Isn't that something? See, Daniel refused to, uh, to deny his God. He continued to pray to his God. Your God and my God, the God of heaven and earth. Put him in the lion's den. But God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. You know God still has angels. Did you know that? And he can still shut the enemy up. Amen? So that they... Now look, this, look at this. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should... Now watch this. Commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den... And no injury whatsoever was found on him. But, but why? Because he had what? Believed in his God. Now watch this. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. I tell you what. It's a dangerous thing to accuse and bring accusation against the people of God particularly when the people of God have, have, have not done anything to deserve it. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous thing to bring accusation, false accusation, I might add. Daniel did no harm. They brought false accusation. They, they got the rules changed so it would trip Daniel up. But he continued to be faithful. He continued to serve God. He continued to have an excellent spirit about him. He continued to be a living epistle. And yeah, he got fed to the lions, but God sent the angel and shut the lion's mouth. And I tell you what, those accusers of his wound up in the lion's den. Did you hear me? I'm telling you, anybody listening by, by, by the, the, the internet, be careful about accusing a people of God who hasn't done anything wrong. You're going to wind up in the lion's den. And they brought those men 
who had accused Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Oh my. Listen to this. Things we do as adults not only affect us, but not only did those accusers go in, but their children went in. Their wives went in. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Somebody said one time, they said, well, those lions weren't really mean lions. That's why Daniel made it through the night. No, Daniel made it through the night because the angel of God shut the lion's mouth. Looks like those lions were pretty fierce, right? Then King Darius wrote to... Now watch this. The king wrote to all the people's nations, languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Glory to God. All because he wouldn't compromise. Don't ever forget this. Anything you compromise to keep, you're going to ultimately lose. Somebody in here needs to hear that. Probably several people. Anything you compromise to keep, you're going to ultimately lose. Any, if, you, if you have to compromise to keep that friend, ultimately you'll lose that friend anyway. Anything you compromise to keep, you'll ultimately lose. I'm not going to compromise the Word of God. I'm not going to compromise Jesus Christ and who He is. I'm not going to compromise the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to compromise the Word of God. I'm not going to compromise the teaching of the Word of God. I'm not going to compromise my stand on the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to compromise uh, 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 and leave speaking in tongues. How many of you know speaking in tongues is still for today? I'm not going to compromise the healing power of God. How many of you know? No, God's still in the healing business. Glory to God. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to keep teaching the Word of God unadulterated and encouraging people. And notice, He is the, li- he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed and His dominion shall endure to the end. See, it affected the king. Daniel's refused to compromise, affected the king. And look at verse 27. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Glory to God. Come on, young people. Let's make a stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's make a stand like Daniel and and, and be lights in the midst of, of darkness. Amen? And then verse 28 said this, Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Amen. So all of us, let's be living epistles. Let's let that light of God that's in our hearts shine out into darkness. Amen. Praise God. Well, I hope this blessed you today. I want you to look at Daniel 1 as we're going to pray here. Oh, and by the way, this has just been strong in my heart. Uh, and, and the Spirit of God actually wanted me to say this. Uh, to the young people that drive, driving cars or getting in cars with other uh, folks, and, and this goes for all of us, including me. Let's all, and I'm doing this because the Spirit of God wants me to do it. Listen, we need to all make a decision to refuse to talk on our cell phone when we're driving in the car. And we need to refuse to text message when we're driving in the car. 
And, and, and I'm talking about when we're behind the wheel, we need to make a decision. We're not going to talk on the cell phone when we're driving. We make a decision we're not going to text while we're driving. And we need to make a decision that we're not going to get in the car with somebody else who's driving and they're talking on their phone or text messaging. Don't, don't, in, don't get in vehicles with people that are doing that. Now, I have to repent myself because I, I'm not into the text messaging, but I'll, I've been talking on the phone and, and, and cell phone in my car, and I've done it regularly. And the Spirit of God just got a hold of me and said, I need to stop doing that. And said, I need to tell you all that we need to make a decision to stop doing that. I hope you still love me, but that's what the Spirit of God wanted me to say. Because it's a life and death issue. It's not putting anybody down. If you've been doing that, look, I'm at the head of the list. I've, I've been doing it. But the Spirit of God said, said stop doing it and tell the people. So I've done, I've done what he told me to do. Amen. Now notice Daniel 1.17. And then we're going to pray and close. Now notice. Notice something about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look at this, Daniel 1.17. As for these four young men... God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And look at verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. So we can believe God for young people that they'll be given skill in literature, in wisdom, that they'll be sensitive to spiritual things, and that because they serve God and seek God and do their studies, that they'll excel beyond people that don't serve God. Do you agree with me on that? So stand with me if you would. Praise God. Now, uh, just remember this, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't need to play the altar music, but just listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, before we dismiss, be sure you come up, there'll be some men and women standing up here, come up here, talk to them, and